Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In the wildly entertaining and refreshingly unfiltered documentary film, Kokomo City, Filmmaker D. Smith passes the mic to four black transgender sex workers in Atlanta and New York City. Daniela Carter, Coco Dadal, Leah Mitchell, and Dominique Silver, who unapologetically break down the walls of their profession. Holding nothing back, the film vibrates with energy, sex, challenge, and hard-earned wisdom. It's a vital portrait that was edited and shot by Smith in a bold black and white format. It is beautifully done. It is all of that and more. Again, the film is called Kokomo City, and we're joined today by the director, editor, producer, cinematographer, Dee Smith. Dee, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having me. First, congratulations on a wonderful film, as I said in the introduction. There's a lot here. There's a lot of energy in the film. There's a lot of honesty in the film. There's a lot of heartbreaking stories as well as stories of triumph in the film. I know that this is a project that you embarked upon during a period of your life that was very fraught for a lot of reasons, professional, personal, and otherwise. Let's talk about the origin story for Kokomo City. I, I've been producing music upwards 15 years plus and um, work with everyone from uh, you know, Little Lane to, to Sierra and um, Andre 3000 from Outcast. And speaking of Outcast, <laughs> <laughs> when I decided to transition in 2014, I was pretty much in delusion, but I was, I was very, I was being very quickly uh, banned and uh, dismembered from the music industry, you know, um, and, and it wasn't so much of me not working or releasing film. It was just the fact that no one was calling me anymore. No one was returning emails or text messages. It just completely went silent for me. Years of being homeless because of the repercussions of being persecuted, being transgender. I lost a lot of things along the way, including my Grammy plaques and, you know, all kind of things that, that I worked very hard for. So I went to a very dark place, unfortunately. And it was very hard to get out of that. You know, I didn't have support. I didn't know what I could do next. If if I can't make music, which I've been doing for most of my life, what can I do? And so I started to think, you know, damn, I see why tr- girls like me have to do sex work. You know, it's like me personally, all I know is music. Where, like, where else am I going to go for employment? I fortunately kind of like stumbled upon the idea of doing a documentary because I was drawn to sex workers' lifestyles or stories or survival tactics or lack of opportunity because I I felt connected in the sense of being isolated and feeling alone and left out. Well, and looking through your bio, what I got from what I read was that you've been a creative person for your entire life, something, and you've pursued these endeavors in such a way as to give yourself an opportunity and also to, I think what I'm seeing here and in, in the film is never giving up on yourself. It's a tremendous story. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I can't believe that this is my story. You know, I was perfectly fine with being a producer, 
you know, and uh, being able to kind of like take care of myself and enjoy certain things that, you know, that I worked very hard for. I started off really doing music, singing in the subway. You know, I went to New York at an early age and I, I was homeless and, you know, I slept in subways and parks and I really started using my talent to move forward. And that's always been my go-to. What do I have that people would want and give me, me money for that won't, in, that won't interfere with my integrity? You know, the, the journey of creating a film in this way was just, um, it was a lifesaver, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, not to me be so heavy and so deep, but I was really, really in a, a rut, a really dark place. I couldn't produce. I couldn't move forward producing life. So when the opportunity came for me to do this film, it saved my life. Well, before we get into the individual stories that we see in the film, uh, another thing about the filmmaking, because um, you couldn't have asked for a better calling card for someone who's looking for another opportunity in the creative realm than this, because in in addition to finding and spotlighting these remarkable women, the way in which you tell the story, you allow them each to be able to tell their story and the way that you not only frame their the conversations that you're having with them, but also just in the in in the way that it illuminates a, a greater story. And each one of them have their own contribution into a bigger picture. I thought the way the film plays out, the way it unfolds is just exceptionally well done. And um, and just at this point, I want to let people know that this is an award-winning film. Um, you At the, the Sundance Film Festival, you won the Next Innovator Award as well as the Next Audience Award at Sundance this year. So it people are recognizing that. But I can tell you from watching the film how impressive it is in terms of just cinematically the way you went about telling the story. So thank you. Thank you so much. The uh, Let's talk about Daniela Carter, Coco Dahl, Leah Mitchell, and Dominique Silver. How did you get to know them? How did you, what was it about the process of putting this together that you wanted to essentially spotlight them? Well, I got to know them by filming them. I, I didn't know any of the girls uh, before this. I met them, a couple of them online. Like I would go to like popular, famous trans women and I would kind of like sift through the comments and find girls that way. In the comments, people kind of like speak their minds. It's not their platform. Cause so they feel liberated and kind of like, you know, there's like a, whatever I said, what I said and da, da, da. So uh, even, you know, no matter what it was, I would go through some of the comments and then go to the profiles. And as a director, you, you, you want a star, like, let's just keep it real. It doesn't matter what, how you're filming or what you're filming. You, you have to look for star quality in your protagonist. And I've always kind of had that ability to, to spot when someone has something special, regardless what it was. And I was able to utilize that talent as something that I, that I was very passionate about. So whether it's vocal tone, the texture, a smile, there was something in the eye, you know, an attitude, the, the way the body's built, there's always something that is just going to be captivating to, to an audience. And so I had to kind of like, not find the first trans girl I see it you know I really took some time and did some due diligence on you know really really what I was looking for and uh, I loved that process it was pretty easy because I didn't have anyone involved to kind of like debate or talk me out of what I was seeing and and it was just so liberating they are all powerful oh yeah they all have a perspective a point of view the shared perspective is 
for me, the shared perspective is the perception and the reality of power, mm. reality of who's in charge of their lives or how difficult the lives that just the day-to-day living, but it's the the dynamic, the kind of social interaction on many levels, sexual, political, social. There's so many different levels and they're each operating on in the film. And, but they bring this very distinctive uh, perspective on each, each of those subjects. I think that's kind of why I, I wanted to film them separately rather than together. I, I thought even them being in the same room on the couch would have been so <laughs> predictable and even fairly underwhelming. I just, it, 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 like you said something earlier that I, this is exactly how I feel. I, I felt like there was something bigger and more spacious about, you know, filming the girls separately. They're in their own world. They're in a, their own, you know, timeline of their transition and they all have different rates, you know, for their work or, you know, or different stories but it all still made sense because, you know, they all shared a lot of the same experiences and it was proven because a lot of them didn't know each other. And so they're separately being recorded and documented. And, um, and I think universally, they all just wanted freedom, you know, freedom from the fortresses that keep us from being humanized, which a lot of times, you know, a lot of organizations, they want to protect us, which is great, but we can overdo it. And then it could cause a lot of animosity towards us, you know, because it can kind of look like we're asking for special privileges, which, which we're not. It just seems that way because people aren't used to trans women asking for right or equality. So filming these girls in that way really made a lot of sense to me. We're speaking with Dee Smith. She is the director, producer, editor, cinematographer for the documentary film Kokomo City. It is being released here in Los Angeles on August 4th, being released through Magnolia Pictures, and it is an award-winning film. It won the Sundance Film Festival Next Innovator Award, as well as the Next Audience Award, as well as other awards. So be looking for this award-winning film. The through line in the film is that they're all sex workers. They're all transgender sex workers. And just the mention of sex, mention of transgender is now become an incredibly loaded political theater kind of approach to talking about anything in which things seem to be constantly turning into political theater in our country now. But it is it is such a universal look at society, right? We're, you know, sex means so much more than just sex, right? So, and that's where I think this film, this, so much of the strength of the film is how this intersectionality of that with everything else and is so important and it's so well laid out here. Let's talk a little bit about sex. No, look, again, these girls, they're identified in this film as sex workers, but once you look into it, you understand that they're way more complex than that. I mean, look at Daniela Carter. She's a a word genius. She's absolutely stunning with the way that she delivered messages, right? But uh, I think that I, I will say they're all comfortable in their sexual identity. They are all very empowered. They own what they like. They know what they like. They know what men like. And, you know, that's the thing. And that's why it was so important to have these men in this film, you know, yes. to validate what these women are saying. It's like, they're not having sex with themselves, you, you know, to kind of have these men step forward in such a dignified, honorable, authoritative way. 
it was really refreshing, you know, and sexy to me. I love a straightforward, confident man. So if we're going to talk about sex, let's talk about it. You know, it's like trans women enjoy sex and men enjoy having sex with trans women. But I do think it's, it's cringy to people to talk about sex outside of what they like. The, the importance of this film really is to kind of like introduce, but also break down, right? We're breaking down the limitations of what trans women should be a part of or what they should express or support, you know, lifting up because this film elevates sexuality, but also identity and also <laughs> that that dichotomy between uh, trans women and the Black community in general. It's like, we want to be human. I want to be human. I don't want to be a robot. I want you to ask me and talk to me any way that you would talk to another another human. I just don't want to be disrespected. So that's why it was important in some of the imagery, like the last shot with Dominique. It was, it was people do that. Male and female do that. And, and so can we. Yeah. And you mentioned Daniela, uh, who is, as you said, just a powerful, they all have, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. They all have within uh, their stories, a sense of agency and ownership. And as you described it, what they're about mm-hmm. and they know what, and they know what's on the other side of what they're doing. They, they understand the dynamic. They're not, they're not naive or they're not foolhardy about it either. And aware of the dangers in which the, the life that they look or they find themselves in. And but Daniela is so good at breaking down uh, sort of the analysis within the analysis, if you will, sort of the dynamic within the dynamic, with, even within the African-American community. I could listen to her all day. She's just really something. Absolutely. She's a star. She's an undeniable star. That, that is just the end of the day. And if you do any due diligence on Daniela Carter, you see that she's been around a bit, like as far as uh, publications and public yeah. speakings and even news stations, people are absolutely fascinated with her gift. She's so brilliant. But I think what was special about her in Kokomo City is that it gave her a platform to actually be herself. I mean, not to take away or discredit any public speaking that she's done, but it it was fairly measured and it was quite, I don't know, ordained, if you will, but it was, it's like, she was put in a safety box that at the end of the day, I'm going to do this TED talk with four, 500 people in this audience, but I'm also, my job is to make them feel comfortable with my story. Even though my story is traumatizing or sad, my words have to be audible and deliverable and tangible and, and approachable and all these things. Kokomo City stripped all of that political rhetoric, all of the gaslighting it's just it's just we just got to the point the nitty-gritty right we just got down to it she spoke like your friend your cousin your girlfriend your sister and that's what people are drawn to like I think people are exhausted from political uh, abuse I think I I certainly am and I think that what is appealing to the culture is just speaking directly to the people in such a way that makes sense in it and that is believable Refresh my memory as to who said it. It might have been Daniela. Mm-hmm. That, that to be defined by their survival, mm-hmm. to be their survival story or something along the lines. Am I? Am I yeah. Thinking? Yeah, that yeah. was her. Yeah. Yeah, that was Daniela. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, again, another brilliant thing that she was talking about in the course of the film. Uh, congratulations. Um, the, I, the, one last thing, the black and white, the approach. I love it. I always think when I see a black and white film, I always feel like 
the intentionality of it, first of all, that that's done because uh, the filmmaker wanted to do something, but it gives for me timeless puts it takes us takes us out of uh, something that you know we're used to seeing color and all the stuff that we see in everyday uh, media, but it puts us in another place. And we we and I think you you accept that in the, in the premise of the film. Yeah. I mean, there's something really surrealistic. There's like a sense of surrealism when you shoot in black and white because there's something very dreamy, but it there's there's like this intensity that makes you not look away. You can't look away from something right. in black and white. It's just even if you got the most grittiest image from New York City and you put it in black and white, there's something elevated and captivating about that, right? So yeah. imagine a moving human, a story with grit and power like that, but you slap black and white on top of it. It's like that juxtaposition. It's it's just beautiful. It's fascinating. And I thought, how refreshing would that be to give that type of treatment to trans women? Absolutely. It is. It's vibrant. The, the black and white, the contrast in it is, yeah, it's beautiful. Again, the film is called Kokomo City. It is being released here in Los Angeles on August 4th, and it'll be available at two Lemley Theaters, the Glendale Lemley Theater, as well as the NoHo Theater this weekend, August 4th weekend, as well as the Alamo Drafthouse Downtown Theater, downtown Los Angeles. So be looking for this wonderful documentary film. And I want to again thank our guest today, the director, producer, writer, editor, cinematographer, D. Smith. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for your work. So much. This is wonderful. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.